We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. You would think that everybody understands that it snows in Utah, but yet I have been driving around today. And, of course, we established on podcasts prior that I actually enjoy this. This is how we know we have the disease. Oh, yes. Because we enjoy driving in the snow. Well, we grew up doing it. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things. Snow day from school, from high school, which means we're out driving in the snow. Find a parking lot, and you're drifting through the parking lot. This is the benefit of you growing up in Colorado. I grew up in Texas where when we get like a spit of ice, we all just hunkered down. But but I love it now. (laughs) Dallas needs snow equipment, snow removal equipment. the twi- twice a year that for it that happens. one day that it happens, yeah. But then all the Dallas fast. kids would have to go to school. That's all bad. <laughs> but but what's been weird is I, I hesitate to call it snowmageddon, but it's what it's felt like because you have seen how many people in Utah and how many rental cars didn't even bother with winter tires because I've watched you all yeah. spinning your well, way through yeah. intersections while I have been around in the Lancer. The only bad thing about the Lancer I've realized is actually the big stock wheels in the winter. That's the only thing I've decided I really don't like because they mm-hmm. hang on to mm-hmm. snow and they hang on to snow in like bad wheel weights. So all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. you've got wheel bounce that you didn't have five are minutes still, ago. Are you still getting this? Yeah, the, because the because vibrations the, setting you off a little bit. When it's a really deep snow day like today, and the mm-hmm. wheels get get snow in them, and it's still too cold for it to melt out. Right. As soon as it melts out, it's fine. But if you have a big deep snow day like we're having today, today is one of those days where the plows can't keep up. Yeah, yeah, they're they're busy today. That's and for sure. People I saw are, three in my neighborhood right behind everywhere. each other. I saw something which is crazy. Honestly, I saw a piece of technology did not know existed until I drove over here to do the podcast. <laughs> you showed me the picture. I'm going to post this picture when by the time you're listening to the podcast. Happy Happy Tuesday, by the way. Yeah, by the time you're listening yeah. to it, uh, I will post this photo. This is your typical dump truck with a plow in the front. Okay. Works for the for the county. That's the, that not that surprising. See, dump truck with plow on the front, no big deal. Except he's hauling a trailer. Mm-hmm. The trailer is almost as long as a semi trailer. It has some sort of chemical thing in the middle, and then a big hydraulic actuator on the back. And the trailer can crab walk into the next lane. It almost reminds me of a, the big fire truck, the hook and ladders. It looks that driven way. by a guy in yes. the rear. Although this is obviously except this not. is a single driver. So what it's he amazing. was able to do was drive in the left lane and crab walk the trailer at a, at a forty five degree angle to cover the entire right lane. And it had a plow on the front of that thing. So he is plowing both lanes with one driver, one that truck. And I'm driving along behind this. I took a, that's why I took a photo. We were leaving a light. We were doing five miles an hour. I was like, I have to take a photo of that. I've never even seen that before. So he crab walks his way all the way onto the freeway, clears this perfect p- patch of asphalt, and then I watched the actuators kick in the mm-hmm. wheels on the back of the trailer, sure, and sure. it tucked in behind him into a perfect straight line, and then he got over and let me pass. I didn't even know this existed. Hey. This is how heavy duty it is today. We've got the big guns out for snow removal. It's nuts. I mean, at least Utah knows how to get rid of it. Yes, this I is mean, true. The roads true. are clear. I mean, I-80 is a state interstate. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got to keep this thing clear at all times. And they know how to do it. They know what they're Winter doing. Winter tires, folks. And your driveway and mine are both, you plow them and it doesn't matter. Yeah, so I plowed I had it to... just three days ago. You got stuck and then it snowed again. Well, and apparently you're not stuck this time I'm around? not stuck this time. I okay, did put another ahead. photo. Here's the thing we both discovered. The problem was not the Lancer versus your driveway. It was that crusty. <laughs> the Lancer versus Paul's Seriously, driveway. it was that crusty berm that gets created by <laughs> yeah. the snowplow going down the street. Well, yeah. And I got high-sided on that. Once we got me off of that, it was no problem. So I just, I actually brought my own snow shovel to your house today. <laughs> and I pulled up and quickly snow shoveled out the big berm and then just, fired my way onto your driveway, and I'm fine. I'm well, all good. It feels like that giant thing comes by my house and shoves all the snow in the street into my driveway. Yeah. Well, I don't you, know how to solve this problem. You live on a corner, so as a result, well, you get yeah. this accumulation of, well, we'll just put it here with Paul. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> he won't mind. He can get out. Sure. Well, guys, thanks a million for your questions. We've got a great debate. We've got a cool topic Tuesday that's something inherent in every discussion that Dunn and I have, mm-hmm. and that is the validity of cars whether or not they're lightweight or not, and gauging sure, sure. who you are about cars and your interest level in cars. And essentially, the question is, are cars valid if they're not lightweight, fun sports cars? It's the spectrum of sacrifice again. Very true. I mean, that even applies to sports cars. We'll get into that for sure. That's really cool. That's a, a Topic Tuesday discussion for Chris. We also have a really cool car debate coming up for Brandon. Many, 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 <laughs> many questions which are is on good. the way. Which is good. We won't get through half of them. Before we start all of that, I had a weird sighting yesterday in Salt Lake. 
Okay. I'm driving along a Salt Lake. I took my son to the local auto show. Oh, yeah, right, Okay, right, which is right. not – look, I, I realize I'm spoiled because I'm used to going to the <laughs> well, LA Auto Show, which is massive, and I'm used to going on press days, which means there's not very many people, and you get to see the velvet rope treatment, you get getting everything, blah, blah. Sure, this was sure. the local auto show, okay? Yeah, for Utah, it's tiny. I didn't and end up going. It was – yeah. The good thing is Fine. everything major in each of the automakers lineup was there, which isn't always the case on the press days. Mm-hmm. I happened to go on Kids Get In Free Day. Didn't know that I got there because I thought I'm going to go and so nobody will be here at this time. One or two so it was, kids there? It was, it was me and every other family on the planet. Right. But it's okay. So we were there. My son loved it. Good. He got into so many things, which Good. is the whole point. I just right. wanted him to just – you want to get in that? Get in that. Right. He kept taking the time. My son is – uh, what is he? He's about four and a half feet tall. He kept taking the time to put the seat in his proper driving position so he could reach the pedals. Now, he can't <laughs> see over the fall. steering wheel, but he <laughs> kept such... doing that. So, so it was, took like so five funny. minutes to get in the car and get out of the car. We're leaving there, though, and I'm driving along, and I was in a press car. We have the 2019 Forester oh, yeah, right, right now. Right, right. We have a white 2019 yeah. Forester. You and right. I have done a new kind of video that's coming that we want to share with all of you. The fast blasts are totally changing. Just think snarkitude. It's like the podcast on video. I'm very excited about this new format. It kind anyway. of is. So that's happening. So we have this Forester. We did that piece on. So I'm in that. So it's not like I'm in any recognizable everyday driver car. Right, right. My son's riding with me. And I pull up to a light beside a gray Mazda Speed Miata. Mm-hmm. Not a common car and a very cool car. And I was just pointing out to my son. And then I realized as we're starting to go turn through the light, wait a minute. That one happens to have a big everyday driver vinyl in the back. Which is cool. How did, where did, fan of the show. Where did that come from? And then it dawned on me, the only people that have those vinyls, by the way, side note, we're working on getting them available on Amazon Store. Yes, We are good. working on it. Good. It's, yep. it's distribution versus Amazon. We promise we'll solve it. Anyway, but the only people that have those vinyls that are local were on the local drive day. Sure. The meetup. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. So I realized, wait, that's, it's that Mazda Speed Miata that was on the meetup. So I honk at him, and then it dawns on me as I'm honking and waving – He's, I'm hard to see past my son, and I'm driving a white 2019 Forester. Who is this person honking at me? But Cadbury. Why is a, a new Forester sport? Seriously. Honking at Yay! me. But Cadbury, you wrote in, and you asked, did I see you? Yes, you did, sir. So thank you for actually acknowledging that it was me in spite of the fact it was in a weird Forester. But hello. Thanks for listening to the show and watching the show and all those things. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, we've got to get the vinyls out there. We're working yeah. on more merch. That is coming. That's one of my priorities this year for 2019. And the vinyls are very cool. It literally is a discussion of it can't come from a lot of the normal providers. So we want to get those available through the Amazon store like everything else. It's just – it's that fight of – how do we get them made and distributed through the Amazon thing? So you're still at that on, mm-hmm. only at our right. store tab. All of that stuff on the Amazon store tab is both stuff you can get directly from us or it's stuff we recommend through Amazon, like cool design books and stuff. Yeah. A number of you have been writing in about design. As a matter of fact, just lately, I've seen another question that I want to get to a little bit later, but yeah, it's all about car design. And there's somebody on Twitter, four pot fury asking about design as he's doing his master's in aerodynamics and wanting yeah, to design his own car. Very cool. Been having an email conversation wow. with, with uh, somebody else. Um, we've got Brian S. on there. It's been kind of fun to yeah. dig stuff up and kind of still live in that world a little bit and discuss it. And so, yes, I've got to put more of that kind of stuff up uh, on the Amazon store as well. Before we get to this topic Tuesday, I want to acknowledge the first season of Grand Tour and talk about oh, a yeah, little sure. bit about what they did. And if you haven't the seen latest. it, spoiler yeah, yeah. alert, yeah, yeah, the please watch episode. it. But it's, it's about high horsepower muscle cars, essentially. Mm-hmm. Pony cars, muscle cars. The three big ones, the ones you should put together, the Mustang, Camaro, and the Challenger are all there. Of course, the Challenger is the demon, and they went off to Detroit, which is cool. Well, yeah, they were driving around abandoned areas of Detroit, that Packard, that old Packard plant, which I've been past. Wow, wow. And I just, oh, man, so creepy and weird and Mm -hmm, historic mm -hmm. and all of those things. But I actually liked the episode because they were acknowledging drag racing so much. Sure, sure, and sure. I actually got into a discussion with a friend of mine when we were talking about water and methanol fuel injection. And okay, he's okay. totally into drag racing and saying, you know, everything that, you know, they're doing is it's kind of cool because drag racers are looking for cheap horsepower solutions. Mm-hmm, okay. And, you know, the difference, you know, this is his opinion. It's about the European cars and their engines are kind of tuned to their limit at this point, relatively speaking. Okay, all right. Whereas American cars have so much more to give. You can put a blower on something and get yeah. two or 300 extra horsepower yeah. out of an American V8. Yeah. Whereas eh, if you do that to a European car, you know, you've got a whole lot more stuff to do to it. You don't mm-hmm. just screw a blower to it. You've got to do more things. Yeah, okay, ECU, maybe, yeah. You've got to... You know, maybe upgrade some mechanicals, that kind of thing, because they're already at the limits. This is his thought, and I 
I agree on some points and disagree on others. Okay. All right, sure. It kind of depends on the car for me. Depends but on the engine, yeah. But what they're acknowledging is, you know, drag racing and, and the drag racing community. This is what they do, and this is why American V8s are so awesome. Yes. But at the same time, I <laughs> sat there. funny. Granted, I'm not the high horsepower guy, but I sat there marveling at the fact that it was that classic American idea of, well, if we just give this more power, it'd be better. The, the Hennessy, the Hennessy yeah. Exorcist being the best example, <laughs> yeah. where James May, of course, of all people, was driving the most powerful car at 1,000 horsepower. But it was a Camaro ZL1, which, by the way, no one has ever driven, I guarantee you, except for John Hennessy and Ben yeah, this isn't powerful. Well, he's With the, the exception only one. of John yeah. Hennessy. Yeah, yeah. But but he took what was I mean, it has the the Z06 motor in it. So mm-hmm. it's 650 horsepower and torque. And now with James May driving it, it was the Exorcist because, of course, it's supposed to vanquish the demon. Aha. Uh-huh. There's a uh, whole uh, through line uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah. So that, but it now has a thousand horsepower. Yeah. But they didn't change anything else. It's Which just more powerful. Which to the brilliance of the car. Yes, but it also speaks to that classic thing of, well, if that had more power, it would be better. Is is it? Is it? I mean, look, for all of the slow We have Captain to define better. Jokes, if it gets exactly. better drag racing times, yeah, it's better. But for Absolutely. all of the Captain Slow jokes, James May, watch him drive a Bugatti Veyron and other mm-hmm. things. He's not a bad driver in spite of the jokes. No, they play that he up, He struggled obviously. with that car the entire episode because it was so wickedly powerful, he was trying to not keep it Although, sideways. I think he plays it up and plays to the camera. He he bobbles around he more does. than he really he should He does, be. except for that drag race sequence. You know, Jerry Jeremy's not holding back. No. So for James to actually be taking him over and over and over in that sequence means that James making an effort and is figuring out how to make that yeah. thing connect. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, even to the point that uh, Jeremy was throwing down launch control, which James didn't have, and James was still beating him. Yeah. But he was struggling with the car and every gear because it's got a thousand horsepower. Sure. Although anyway. there's never going to be the point where drag racers say, well, I guess more isn't better and we're going to just true, stop chasing true, them. True, true, that's true. Never, no, that's never part of the fun and part uh, yeah, of okay. better times, and that's what drag racing is about. And the whole reason yeah. the second car was built, to be faster than the first car that was ever built. <laughs> Right? Those Germans built a Mercedes. Looks like a wagon with three wheels. We're not going to let that stand. I'm going to make one with four wheels and one more horsepower. It's going to be awesome. That's the whole point is competition and racing and track driving, whatever that is. It's all about competition, right? Okay. All right. I'll drive my little cars that seem underpowered and enjoy myself. But but you're right. That is the culture. Car number two on the planet exists. You're right. To beat car number one. You're right. And they did it very well. And it was cool to see. Of course, they get to close down huge swaths of town. That whole drag race sequence. Yeah. You could see the barricades of the cops at the far end of the shot while they just closed this section down for a long time and just did drag racing just because they can. This is what budget (laughs) accomplishes. Yeah. All right. So that gives us a nice segue into the topic Tuesday, which is the validity of cars. And we've got a note from Chris E. who writes to us. He's been listening a while and he's become a patron. Thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. He lives in Las Vegas. He's 28, mm-hmm. and his first car he bought six years ago, and he still has it. It's the R53, so a 2003 Mini Cooper S, mm-hmm. which like, has 155,000 like like, miles, which spot, is low miles compared to the one you yeah, have. Exactly. you got to work on that, man. He's got to get 200,000. Yeah, anyway. All right, so he is completely infected with the disease. Yes. I love that you wrote to us. Yes. Because uh, he's a driving instructor at a track experience in Las Vegas. It probably wouldn't take you very long to figure out which one. Well, I'm pretty sure we know know which one. And Chris, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same one where we're planning to shoot an episode about the the, the exotic driving experience. We're shooting an episode this spring for season five at the place where you work. Mm -hmm. You've given us a list of cars. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be in your backyard uh, in a couple months here. So let's see if we can converge on that reality. But here's what I find funny. The cars he's driving are kind of like the exotic super list like yeah 911s the the Cayman GTS the the uh the GT3 RS the AMG GTS the Ferrari 488 the Lamborghini Huracan the Performante version even nice I mean this stuff. is stuff he drives daily yeah. to help people around the track at the local uh, exotic car experience there in Vegas and all of those cars aren't hectic enough <laughs> He'd prefer the Mini, which has no air conditioning, a full roll kit. It's essentially been turned into a race car yeah. that he dailies in Vegas. By the way, Vegas, no air conditioning. Just let that settle for a second. Yeah, right, right. I did it in a Lotus where I rented a Lotus Elise and the air conditioning broke in Vegas. And my wife 
went from really like this car to dear God, get me out in the <laughs> course of me off half here hour. Like, I don't care. Over. I'll stand on the corner because yeah. I got to get out of this car. It's horrible. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, he's driven a bunch of stuff, as Todd has said. But what's funny is the paragraph that I noticed the most in your email here, Chris, is the fact that you preach Porsche is the best, period. Mm. However, you go on to describe the GT3 and especially the Cayman as heavy with some body roll. Because he drives a Mini with a cage. <laughs> right. So a Cayman with body roll in comparison to your Mini or an Elise or yeah, you know yeah. the hardcore sports cars, well, yeah, it's a fat pig in comparison. Yeah. For most people, it's pretty hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like where your, your head's at. You're, you're preaching this as, okay, I love Porsches, but what you really want is a Lotus. And his sentence here is, the more uncomfortable the car the more he wants it and the more he loves it. I love that. Which That's fascinating. really ties into what you love, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. It's that spectrum of sacrifice, and I promised this before, but it is really coming. There's a spectrum of sacrifice video coming that relates to the Lotus, and pretty much whatever your car is will probably be covered in this discussion. So uh, he would actually like to have a Lotus Elise he, because he thinks – it's the next car for him after this Mini. The Mini's getting a little, uh, well, high miles for a normal Mini. No, it's not. And so, well, yes, but anyway. Barely getting started. So he's just thinking that's probably the only car that's really raw enough for him to get into. And he's driven, let's be honest, a lot of really high-performance, very expensive things and found them not raw enough. Mm-hmm. So he thinks yeah. the Lotus is the answer. His, his question ultimately is, are cars that aren't lightweight and raw, can they kind of be considered real supercars, real sports cars. It's interesting that he's driven all these hyper cars. And when you look at these really expensive cars yeah. he's driven, I wouldn't take, honestly, any of the cars you've driven. Look, the GTRs at the same place, the R8 V10, none of the cars you drive couldn't be considered good sports cars or, in some cases, good supercars. Most of them on the list are. Absolutely. And Absolutely. yet, compared to the raw connected feel of your Mini, I can see you're disconnected, and so you want that connected feel. This is interesting because the question is, what what makes a, a real dedicated enthusiast car? Hmm. Well, it, it is the Topic Tuesday, but it's kind of a car debate built in, as you it can is. tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But leaning more towards the Topic Tuesday and the validity of things, mm-hmm. I'll take Porsche as an example. Okay. When they introduce more expensive cars, mm-hmm. they take stuff out. <laughs> because they're Porsche. This has now, no door handles. But other you're car companies like it more. do this. The GT350R yeah. no longer has back seats. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting more for less or you know more money yeah. for with less yeah, stuff yeah, on for it. sure for sure so the example here is are cars valid if they're not the lightweight thing a nissan gtr great example best example in fact it's heavy it's very, very heavy very it can be used as a really comfortable touring car yeah 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 and you're very happy so it it really honestly i think it comes down to the person mm-hmm. but the car manufacturers you know you're you're giving us a race car and it's more expensive and you've given us just a single sheet of carbon fiber for a door panel and a roll cage and a little bit of electronics and that's it yeah pretty awesome but for most buyers mm-hmm. and i'm generally speaking yeah, most yeah, buyers yeah. want a balance when you're driving those lamborghinis the huracans mm-hmm. the performante the 488 sure, sure, sure. well the buyers are you know th- they want a a performance car but it's still got to feel like they're getting their money's worth yeah, yeah unless it's a hardcore race car and you're dumping money into that mm-hmm. You're not looking for that balance because you're going racing. Mm-hmm. But if it's a high-performance sports car, mm-hmm. well, it's got to have some sound deadening and some luxury touches. Totally. And totally. I'd like the windows to be power windows, and I'd, yeah. I'd yeah, like yeah. some air conditioning. And mm-hmm. you know what? I'd mm-hmm. like to listen to music, too. All those things start to add weight. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then, you, you know, what's the balance between comfort and sport? And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going racing. I think he's at the extreme example, to Absolutely. be honest, because Absolutely. of his yes. job and what he does mm-hmm. as, yep. a, as a driving yep. instructor. I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I don't want the big, heavy car, but I do appreciate, yeah. say, the AMG Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I appreciate a lot about them. I love the build quality. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. insulate you from everything. The E63S wagon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a train. People are tuning it's these a train to for the family. Hundred or more horsepower. Yeah, why not? Why not? And they're faster than mm-hmm. a lot of Porsche GT3s because the Autobot exists. Holy Just cow! That's amazing. Yeah. But they're comfortable and luxurious, and they completely insulate free from the driving experience. Yeah. They yeah. have their place. Mm-hmm. But I do want, you know, unless I'm on a track mm-hmm. driving a race car, any comfort goes out the window. Yeah. 
Of course it does. Well, and guy, a lot but of... But if it's street and somewhere, yeah. where's the balance? And then it's a personal preference. Mm-hmm. If you want to feel like you're driving a race car, I think the Lotus is perfect. Yeah, it, it's it's the most... It really is short of something like a Caterham, where you not, not only have a roof. It's, <laughs> well, it's the closest you can exactly. get to that raw, no-insulation feel and still be a somewhat acceptable road daily car. But you know, here, I just thought about this, though. Think about... The Ferrari F40, late 80s. Mm, good okay, example. Think about how stripped down Excellent that was. example, actually. Think about a pickup truck from the late 80s. Both of those had their purpose. Neither of those could be considered luxurious. Fast True. forward True. to now. Getting a McLaren, getting a Ferrari, getting an F150, getting a Silverado. You oh. can look around all of those cars and, and say, any of the creature comforts I would get if I bought blank sedan – Mm-hmm. Are in here now. Mm-hmm. the 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 market has merged in the in the seventies and eighties. It was almost a badge of honor to be able to say, "I drive one of those supercars," and I put up, Lamborghini Countach is the best example. I put up with all of the following <laughs> yeah. list, yeah, because I get to drive that. Yeah, right. Okay, I have nice. a pickup and it does this really cool stuff. And I bang around on the ranch and I and I and I carried this last week. And this panel is rusting out, but my pickup truck is awesome. It's not nice at all. But now the market has gotten to a place where because we're commuting so much, I think that's a part of it. Sure. We're sitting in stop sure. and go traffic so much because technology has moved so much. People are not willing to buy their only car, by and large. I'm painting with a broad brush here, and have any, well, I pull it up with it in spite of these things. Mm-hmm. So as a mm-hmm. result, all the sports cars and supercars have gotten very nice to just sit still in, as have pickup trucks. Yeah. And yeah. that's why we're all, everybody's buying CUVs. That's because an excellent example, actually. We've, it's all just encroached into, I want to be able to sit, let's be honest, stopped on the 405, and it is nice a place to be in my supercar or pickup as the guy next to me in a nice luxury sedan. That's what the market has done. That's left people like myself and even more extreme Chris mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a place where we're like, so what do I get to drive? Right. So he takes right. a Mini, which, by the way, was already not this incredibly luxurious car, <laughs> strips out the wasn't interior, that puts on a cage, takes out the, <laughs> the air conditioner because he wants to feel like he's connected to the car. Sure. I which is get awesome. It. Which is awesome. I get it. But, Chris, you, you've got a limited number of options, and most of them are going to be you're kind of doing it yourself. Yep. Yep. It With the possible exception of the Elise. You said you've considered maybe driving the 370Z. I say to you, no. Oh, yeah. It sounds like you haven't driven one yet, but you've wondered about it. I think, no, I think that car also is going to feel too insulated. Honestly, the Cayman is sharper than the 370. Yeah. The only place the 370 feels more raw than the Cayman is that it is louder in the interior. Okay. I mean. You can, like, hear stuff coming off the wheels. First-gen Caymans, the engine's right in your ear. Sure. You can hear stuff coming off the wheels, but I don't know that that makes you feel more connected to the car. You're just aware of the fact it's loud in here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't think the 370 works. I do think the Elise is a rare car that you are like the perfect buyer for. But I have some other ideas for you that I don't know if you've thought about. I think it's experience. And you've had more mm. experience than most people, especially True. at your age. True. Yes, for sure. And experiencing all these hot cars and now discovering the balance between performance and then am I willing to have all these creature comforts Do, yeah. in my hot car. But think about where the market for those cars are. Miami and Los Angeles, at least in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. I mean, there's, of course, cities around the world, but that's the best U.S. example that sure. I can think of. Sure, sure, You're cruising. You're not on track. When you are on track, yeah, you, you don't want those creature comforts. Chris, I heard at a car show one time, you're going to laugh, I was overhearing a group of young guys looking at, I forget which new Ferrari it was, and they peeked in the interior and they said, well, eh, yeah, the interior is nowhere near as nice as my dad's Mercedes. <laughs> I was like, I, I wanted to go, guys, that not the point. completely missed it. What? But this is where, where they've all gone, though. For a Ferrari, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. that's not why you buy the Ferrari because you're willing to give up a lot, especially at the supercar level. Mm-hmm. You're starting to willing to give up a lot. The mm-hmm. F40 is covered in like hospital lobby carpet. Well, and you it's can see terrible. the epoxy to, to connect the carbon fiber panels and it's yeah. about as raw as it gets because it's much more race car than it is street car. Yeah. And that's kind of what Chris wants. Here's the thing, Chris. These automakers are having enough trouble selling sports cars, period. Now, strip down sports cars that only people that are right. willing to, let's be honest, like you and me, put in earplugs and, wow, it's hot in here and I don't care, <laughs> yeah. and I can't see past all of the CUVs that are parked around me. 
there's not a large group of us that are going to be like, I'll put my money into that. So they're having enough trouble selling the normal sports cars. We're all already complaining about the Supra. You know what I mean? I hate (laughs) to say it. So so this is why everybody's buying CUVs because here's the other thing that happens. You start to get spoiled. and And I'm just saying this because it happens. It's happened to me. Climb in a minivan. Hmm. Climb in a minivan when you have a lot of stuff to take anywhere. We've done it on productions yeah, with yeah. a bunch of gear. And as much as minivans are not fun to drive, we leave every production where we've had a minivan production vehicle come, and we're just like, oh, this thing was awesome. Why? Because we threw gear from like 10 feet away through the side door that <laughs> opened automatically. start. And we had, you know, <laughs> yeah. we bought the flats of water, and we had cups. We had water in every cup holder, and everybody's just, you know, right. gear right. and stuff, and yeah. it's awesome. And then I get into my little Lotus, and there's I don't even have a cup holder. There, It doesn't exist. There's no glove box. Yeah. You know, if you can climb over the sill, you can join me. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck in the car. <laughs> I love driving it, but it has no utility yeah. at all. Yeah. So, so this is the thing. We get spoiled to, well, I could just have stuff and do things. And this is why cars get bigger and get more cup holders and get nicer. And Chris goes, what happened? Look, Chris, I think I think the Elise is your next car. And your, your friends are saying, you know, at your budget, 30 grand, they're saying, if you don't get this car because you keep talking about it, <laughs> what's the point? You either have to stop talking about it or swallow the monthly payment. But as Todd has said before, you've talked about the $30,000 06 Elise that you can sell in a year or two for $30,000. Yes. You buy an 05. You can roughly get an 05, maybe an 06. I was able to find an 06 for 30. The 05s are running 28 or so to 32. The 06s are running 30 to 35, and they start going up from there. Mm-hmm. If you get an 08 and up, they've been refreshed. Superchargements are still going for 45. But the nice thing is they've been rock solid for a decade. Yeah, which is so amazing. buy one, decide it's for you, decide it's not for you, decide you can't afford it, sell it for what you bought it for. Exactly. Yeah. At least own it for a little bit. Along with your yeah. lease, I mean, hardcore, 211 GT4 or a Lotus 311, those are very hardcore. They're like yes. a Caterham. You're going to wear a helmet to go yeah. to work. Yeah, just going down the freeway, yeah. I mean, Lotus Exige, Caterham's, Factory yeah. 5818, that's, that's got the raw feel. That's actually, I wonder if that's the best alt car for Chris. It's on my list. Is it? Okay. The Factory 5818. You say you're a guy that likes to wrench yourself. You want it to be mm-hmm. fairly reliable. Mm-hmm. This is WRX running gear. And here's the crazy thing about them. Chris, for your budget... You could buy somebody's already built one for probably less than your budget, and that is actually, in most cases, more raw than the Elise, and the underpinnings are WRX, so if you need to jack it up and work on it, you can. (laughs) There's parts. I think that may be the only car better than the Elise in this scenario because I I hate to say it, but that kit car, non-factory-produced feel, non-assembly-line-produced feel, that's about the only way to get the rawness back. Because mm, the yeah, whole yeah. assembly line mass-produced feel is designed to make it nice. Yeah, make it well-built. Exactly. Designed to make it well-insulated and all of that kind of stuff. It's not home I love the Elise for you. I think you need to drive an S2000 because I think that if you, if you were looking at the 370Z, drive an S2000. That's on his list. That's about half good. your budget. But I think the 818 from Factory 5, if you buy somebody's already built one for like 2025, somebody's nice one. Sure, sure. Buy that. Because here's the thing. Built ones of those that are designed for just the track, people are selling for like 15. But ones where they built them to try to make them a street daily car are selling for like 20, 25. How do I know I've looked? So (laughs) buy one of those. Nobody will know what it is. It's going to have all the rawness. If you don't want to go a lease, I think that's your car. I think the other cars on your list, the Z4 M Coupe, the Evo 10, the BMW 335iS, all great cars. Absolutely. I think they're going to be fat pigs for what you're looking for. I don't think any of them work, unfortunately. You know what's interesting? For all my vitriol on track about this car, Mm -hmm. I think one of the best cars you can buy, new or used right now, is an Alfa Romeo 4C that has the balance between it's mass-produced, it's Mm -hmm. comfortable-ish, for most people, it would be very hardcore. Mm-hmm. For this, what we're talking about, I think it strikes a pretty good balance between mm. the hardcore feel. You're, you've got the engine right behind yeah. you. You've got that chassis, the carbon fiber that is transmitting all the buzz of the engine through sure, the cabin. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. But it's still nice enough. But see, I don't it's, think it's raw enough for him, and it's also out of his budget. Well, well, it's just out of the budget. I mean, yeah, a tiny bit, but I think that's. Crazy enough, the the balance between, you know, is it comfortable for a distance trip? Yeah, we've done yeah, that oh, in mid-engines yeah. mountains. Yeah, yeah. Can it be tracked? Yeah. Can it be, you know, slammed around a canyon and, you know, beat on a canyon road? I, f- yeah, I feel can. like the 4C is the mirror image of the Elise, and here's what I mean. 
The Elise is a great car with great handling feel, awesome looks, mid-engine, looks exotic, didn't have exotic prices, all of those things, mm-hmm. as is the mm-hmm. 4C. But the Elise is probably leaned 70% for track use and 30% for street. Mm-hmm. The 4C sure. is the reverse. Yeah, I could see that. If you're going to be mostly just driving it. If, here's the thing. If I was in L.A., I wouldn't buy an Elise. I'd buy a 4C. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's automatic with paddle shifts mm-hmm. and because it's mm-hmm. perfectly nice to just commute in. And it'd be fun yeah. in the canyons, but if you took it on the track, you're going to find the edges and not like the edges very much. Real quick, yeah. Whereas the Elise, I don't want to sit in traffic on the 405 or anywhere in L.A. in that car, but the canyons, it comes alive. And anytime I'm on the track, I'm like, I'm hunting other people down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the fastest car and track are Miatas because they're so light and nimble. Yeah. And they, yeah. you know, theoretically, yeah. They're left on the straightaways. You're topping out at 92 yeah. miles an hour in the straightaway. Totally. And you eat people's lunch. For sure. All right, Chris, I'm going to leave you with this thought as an aspirational car. And I think you should consider this too for, for okay. a life aspiration. Oh, you're looking at me as well. All right, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Ferrari F430 Scuderia. Oh, okay. I think that car was sort of like Ferrari built in a lease. That All thinking... Right. All right. It's the stripped down. It's modern. Mm-hmm. It's got the engine mm-hmm. right there. It's sure. way more power. It's an exotic. It yeah. truly is. Exotic It was price. less for more money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's yeah. kind of in that category for me well, okay. is All right. the F430, the Scuderia. Okay. Especially that. The, Interesting. The non-Scuderia versions are you know a lot more leather and luxury. They're more of a cruiser and, car comparatively. You know, yeah. Look at me kind of thing. But yeah. that is the track mm. car. That's kind of the... And, and Chris may have driven it already, as a matter of fact. We don't know. But. And, you know, Chris, I'm going to say this. At some point, I will sell my Elise. Now, my family is already going, you can never sell this car, which I think is cool. But at some point, I will. And if you haven't gotten one yet, let me know. We'll figure that out. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. Chris, thank you for writing in. If you, hey, if you've got your Topic Tuesday question, please email or write to us. You can actually contact us anywhere. We don't mind. For sure. But for sure, we're yeah. trying to, to funnel... All of our car debates and Topic Tuesdays towards the email at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com mm-hmm. or the website. You can click the Contact Us button on the website, everydaydrivertv. Sorry, everydaydriver.com. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, all the social media questions, which we've got after the break, which we're going to take right now. We'll be back. We all have a lot of to-do lists, and some of them get quite long. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea, though. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save, you've heard it before, 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding to-do thing on your list today. We're back and headed to Brandon, who's writing to us from Portland, and that is that is relevant because he's about to move to Colorado. Mm, yeah. He and his fiance are looking for – well, he's looking for his first kind of sporty car. He's going to upgrade his car in the process of the move. So we're getting into what's my first sports car. This is a good question for Brandon, but he's moving to Colorado, and he's going to have to deal with what we're dealing with right now, which is, oh, look, it's snowing outside. <laughs> All right. Brandon is 25. He's never owned a sporty car, and by the way – there's many people. You don't have to start at 25. There's people who are in their 50s later yes. who haven't yet yes. owned a sporty car. Mm, totally. That's perfectly fine. Doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter what age. I'm glad you're discovering it early on. That's yeah. awesome. You have a lifetime of sporty driving. But if you discover totally. it late in life too, no problem. Yeah, I, it doesn't matter. I, I love that. I didn't buy my Z until I was in my 30s. Yeah? And man, I loved that car. Anyway, off side note. Yeah. All right. So he currently drives a 2016 Hyundai Accent to keep things affordable. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Runs perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. It's simple for now. But because, as Todd said, he's moving to Colorado, he's got some things to think about. And he's got this window of opportunity before life presents other needs, as he puts it. <laughs> yes. So he said, I can only afford one car right now. It needs to be the daily. No tracking right now. Just mm-hmm. pure commuting and pure okay. reliability. But okay. it's got to be a sporty car that can fit into the Colorado weather, yes. Colorado yes. roads. Mm-hmm. I mean, the I-70 up, you know, going west up towards the ski runs. Yes. It's rutted because everybody runs studded tires. It's <laughs> it's like really noisy, actually. Yeah. Studded tires and 18-wheelers and hang on. It's going to be rough. Sheesh. Yeah. All right. So he's got roads, you know, as a consideration. Winter tires, certainly. And he's kind of open. He's torn between the comfort and fun. Mm-hmm. All-wheel drive versus the rear or front-wheel drive, auto versus manual. We're still in the spectrum of sacrifice like we were we, for Chris. We kind of are, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is fun. Yes, everything can be solved with good tires. Yes, you're right. Absolutely, yeah. He has never seen a Colorado winter. Think of them like Utah winters. Yeah. It can really snow. Other winters can be very mild and you're fine. But I will say this, though. The streets of Denver are different than the mountains. 
Very so much where so. are you? you That's know what true. I mean? That's when true. you're on major roads in the city of Denver, you're going to have a much different – people that I know live in Salt Lake and somehow, stupidly, survive on all-season tires <laughs> because they That's never possible. get out of the flats of I the Salt know. Lake area. They, and, and they look at me as somebody that drives to Park City and like goes up the mountain like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, yeah. So, But, here, but Denver has <laughs> exactly. some similarities to that. But if you're ever going to go to the mountains – Guess what? There's thousands of feet of elevation change. The weather gets a bit different. Yeah, for sure. All right. So he's looking at a budget of $30,000, and he says, my heart says Supra, my brain says RAV4, <laughs> one car for he, he and his fiance, and he's 25, and yeah. I think I've found your perfect car. Oh, good. I think I have. I've got some drive homework here. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. So he gives us all the things that he's considered, and they could be considered the everyday driver, usual suspects, mm-hmm. the 370s. 370Z, GT86, Civic Hatch Sport, the new Mazda 3, possible all-wheel drive, we're not quite sure yet, WRX, GTI, Outback, Forester, we've got the Forester Sport. We do. Run away. That's not the car for you right now. Well, hang on. I'll I'll stop right there. We just had the Forester. We've got a cool little video coming out Mm -hmm. of it. You and I are doing this discussion on it. The Outback and the Forester, I've driven both. I've driven both fairly recently. Yeah. They are both bigger than you think. They're both like good-sized All Subarus are bigger than you think. Yes. But here's the thing. They are great, but they're not fun. So, good point. Good so, point. I mean, all-wheel drive and reliable and decent interiors and, oh, my gosh, the space and good visibility and the gas mileage is all right. And, oh, wow, this keeps running. And, oh, my, you're just powering through the snow. Not fun, though. <laughs> so since you're looking for a sporty car, I think those are out for that reason, though no slight to them for what they do. They just don't belong in the list with the rest of this stuff. Yeah. Rounding out the list is the EcoBoost Mustang and a Focus ST, which – all good. We've mm-hmm. driven all these cars. We sure, like them sure, all. Yeah, they yeah. all have merits. And so how does he decide? That's mm-hmm. really the question. Mm-hmm. And fun car. He's 25, so consider insurance purposes. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll change, of course. But where should he be? And my first two th- cars that pop out for me are the Mazda 3. Solid choice. Yeah, for sure, for and sure. And a GTI. Just very solid, fun mm-hmm. choices. You can't really point at them and say, no, there's nothing fun about those cars. They have their merits. Are they, you know, the next level kind of beyond into, wow, this could be really fun on a canyon road. Let's take this to Steamboat. Let's take this up to Estes Park or, you know, all the fun driving roads that we know and love in Colorado. Oh, man. I don't think they're there yet. And I have your car. Hmm. It is. You're not ready for this. Okay. But I think you should be because... I have found them for $32,000. Okay. Honda Civic Type R. Really? You can get one for $32,000? I found one with 20,000 miles. I'm looking at it right here. There's three of them for sale. 20,000 miles. It's gray. They're front-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. So you can solve it by good tires. You've got front-wheel drive. They're manual. You have, amongst the cars we've driven, this has got to be on the top 10 list of cars that dramatically change their feel by virtue of the settings, the comfort to sport yeah, to track yeah, settings. Okay. This car has a dramatic change in personality. Yeah. And it starts off, I mean, in any setting, it's pretty good, actually. Yeah. And I really still are. prefer the, the steering feel. If you've watched our uh, Civic Type R versus Focus RS piece, I prefer the steering feel in the comfort setting. Though right. I prefer the shocks and all that right. in the hardcore setting. I mean, that's which the, is just the trade-off. You don't have the customized. You can't customize. But look, I'm, I'm, I'm being awfully picky when I say that because you coming out of the Hyundai Accent, it's going to blow your mind every single it day. Is. Here's why I recommend the Civic Type R. Please, it's because of the styling. Because oh, everybody okay. who's written to us says you've got to be young to either own or appreciate or drive the mm. Civic Type R. Okay. Okay. You're 25. This car is designed for you. They're now thirty-two grand, slightly used. Looks great in yeah. gray with yeah. the red okay. calipers. Whether you want to take the wing off or not, but this is the car as you put it in your email before. You know, I need other needs, other needs in my life. Things mm. change in my life. Mm. Enjoy it. Have fun with it now. It's okay. like owning an STI or an Evo or this sure. now. Sure. Okay. I kind of wish I was 25 and enjoying this car, although that might not stop me from buying it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd fair. like it that much. Yeah, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd drive this car. I well, the, it's crazy, and I'd drive it. We, we had the Hatch Sport for our Mazda 3 Hatch Sport mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Elantra piece in downtown L.A. And again, all solid cars, not sports cars. 
No. So no. if you could get a Type R for your money, Gosh. that is everything, all of that usability of the Civic, but full-on sports car. That's what's so amazing. I see it. No, I see it. I, I don't know what insurance is going to do. They yeah, might, I'll tell you what insurance is going to do. It's going to go up. I know. But, uh, I know, but yeah, but okay. All now right. Now is the time. Okay. Because imagine, well, <laughs> we're all 25 inside, right? I mean, I would or drive 15. that car. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah, drive yeah. that car. When you're 50, 60, 70, are those buyers buying the Civic Type R? Not really. But that guy but would be my hero, it. though. Totally. <laughs> That's why I'm Grandpa saying. Grandpa on the Civic Type R is my hero, just so you know. Now yeah. is the time, Brandon. That's good. I like it. Civic Type R. I'm not saying that style is equated to age. I'm disconnecting those two, and I'm giving everybody permission to disconnect those two. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. They're, but No. You know, for sure, for there sure. are the, the marketing boards, there are the mood boards, and the, you can yeah. tell what cars are marketed to what kinds of age groups. It just mm-hmm. exists. It does. Yeah. And so I think now's the time for your Civic Type R. And then you can graduate to the high horsepower, the rear-wheel drive cars. Then you'll you'll be able to afford more cars in your life. And, okay. You know, All Caymans right. and 911s and Interesting. things are coming okay. your way. But start with the Civic Type R. They're so awesome. Wow, that is cool. All right, Brandon. Uh, hmm, wow, that's tempting. I, I'm a little sidetracked in my head. Uh, Brandon, I want to speak about a couple of cars for you real quick. You, you've kind of talked both sides of one part of this equation. You like manual transmission. You know you're looking for a sports car, but then it dawns on you you're going to commute in this car. So mm-hmm. there's this like mm-hmm. gray area here where you're like, sure, manual, but maybe automatic. So I'm going to talk to you about cars that I know come either way and, mm, I, and I think are going to be solid in automatic form or maybe, or maybe come just as automatics, but I think they should still be a serious consideration. So let's run through a, a few real quick. You could, and it's not on your list and I'm surprised, get yourself an Evo 10. Now, I could. could say Evo 9 or Evo 10. Good. Either of those you'd find fun. But the Evo 10 specifically because you can get that dual-clutch gearbox like I have in my Lancer. Mm, sure. So for $30,000, you could find the nice MR. Now, nice and MR aren't equivalent. But you follow what I'm saying. You could find an MR. <laughs> it would be crazy fun. But any time it snows, you'd be like, fine, let's just do this. Mm-hmm. Okay? Sure. So the Evo MR is, is, a, is a worthwhile one there. Uh, I do want to speak to the 86 because you brought it up. The GT86, which, again, is the Subaru BRZ or the FRS or however you want to call it. Look, I drove it through two hardcore Utah winners. Yeah. I was the only sports car going down I-80 in the middle of a blizzard. And I was fine with it. Totally now, awesome. You're going to have to have a conversation, a real conversation about how are you going to use this car. If it's going to be a lot of unplowed roads, you're you're striking fresh tracks. Oh gosh, there's a lot of hills. This area gets icy. Probably not your car. I mean, if, if he's it's in and around the Denver area, if it's the fine. Denver area and you're commuting, that actually has a really good automatic. Genuinely, yeah. it's yeah. a really good six-speed automatic that listens to the paddles. Not a dual clutch, but solid rear uh, rear-wheel drive, which is crazy fun in the snow. I genuinely still miss it, and Cheap to, to insure, cheap to buy used if you want. Winter tires on it, you'd be very happy in that car unless you're doing some hardcore conditions, which is where the all-wheel drive might, might matter. So that brings me to these two. Okay. Drive a Golf R. You can get them for your money. And drive an Audi grand? S3. Both used, but buy, you can drive and That's find good news. both of the above. Golf Rs and Audi S3. So, and, and honestly, great news, underneath actually. the skin, same car. Yeah. Do you want a sedan yeah. or do you want a hatchback? Same DSG, Ooh. same thing. Compelling, much more fun than your Hyundai. Would feel like a sports car. I mean, look, they're not as hardcore as a lot of these others on the list. They're just not. But sure. significantly more fun and sporty than what you've had, but yet still feels like a gentleman's car. Hmm. Okay? So hmm. Golf R and, and uh, Audi S3 wow. with the DSG, those are very tempting. I don't know that you can afford the insurance on this car, but you can get them. We've talked about it before. If you want to talk about the gentleman's hot hatch, you know where I'm going now. Oh, yeah. Mercedes GLA AMG 45. It's supposedly a CUV. It's not. It's a hot hatch. It is. It's a hot hatch. Great six-speed dual clutch. Crazy fun car. And I cannot believe how cheap they've gotten. Get yourself a Mercedes. And then you feel real classy and all that and awesome. And then it snows and you can hoon. <laughs> then it, or, you know what? It's sunny outside. You can still hoon. That is a car that nobody expects how much you can hoon that car. Now, you may say, I'm 25. Do I own a Mercedes? Maybe you're on the other end of that equation. But honestly, that is the gentleman's hot hatch, and I stand by that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. If Although, you're, f- you're right. Insurance. Yeah, it might be a problem. They're going to see Mercedes. If your fiancé pushes for a CUV, because that has happened and might happen, I am going to say CUV, SUV, shop cheap Cayennes. Hmm. Okay. Much bigger. Not as fun as I the mean, other stuff we're talking about. Not sports car Not territory. as fun as stuff we're talking about. But I think it would feel more sports car than your Hyundai. 
So that's the only reason that's there. It's kind of, I've got two wild cards. That's wild card one. Wild card two, also a Porsche. You know how cheaply you can get a 996 911 4S because Chance just got a $15,000 one. Yeah, he did. I mean, that was a bit of a one-off. It had high miles. It was a one-off, but They're but the fact like that, twenty-five, thirty, right? But now. the well, twenty to thirty, he's got thirty grand. Yeah, true. All-wheel drive Porsche nine eleven. I think that may not be your car. <laughs> His insurance agent is going to, <laughs> but that's an older field car. Day, but that's an we'll older say. car now too, though. Yeah, they'll, so they'll so just see Porsche. They I guarantee. Will. So let's just let's just. There's a wild card shopping is in Porsche. You're probably not in Porsche. I think personally, I think it's that Golf R S three, if you want to go all wheel drive, if you want to go hotter, it's Evo ten or GT eighty six for a more focused sports car experience. But you have to figure out if those cars are you. Crazy. Wow. All right. Well, guys, thank you for writing in. Really appreciate it. We've got audience questions on social media. We've got wow, to jump to a ton of questions. I'm jumping into a design question from Steve T on Facebook. Paul, what is the with the giant gaping grills on new cars? The Predator Maw. He he yeah. calls out Lexus, Mazda, Toyota, BMW 7 Series that the internet is making fun of mm-hmm. constantly. I think BMW's struggling right now, personally. I think their Z4 styling department aside, has kind of lost their way. I do. I, I mean, I like the I M2, don't get me wrong, but and the Z4 is great. But everything else, they're just they're not hitting home runs here. They're kind it's of interesting. lost in the weeds, and yeah. they're... One of the latest manufacturers to get sucked into this huge, yeah, just for sure. oversized everything for sure. on the front. And they really want you to think, you know, that's associated with the BMW brand or the, the Predator Maw and Lexus. And they, yep. you know, unmistakable. And every- <laughs> unmistakable isn't necessarily pretty, by the way. <laughs> unmistakable. Uh, un- well, very I, recognizable, you, you, I guess. You, could, you know that whole term about I can't unsee that? Also unmistakable. Yeah, true. My, oh, my eyes. My <laughs> eyes are burning. But that's unmistakable. Seven yeah. Series is gnarly. And that X7? Oh, oh yeah. No. Yikes. Yeah, the the Cullinan is on that list, too. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) car manufacturers get away with us now because of car styling. The bumper is still there. But in the 80s, we'll say, car manufacturers, they recognized the bumper and they sort of promoted it in design. Yeah, okay. And they they showed it off. They had the headlights and the grill above it and the intake for the radiator below and some fog lights and some cool styling. And there was the bumper. Whereas now, (laughs) the bumper's still there. It's just buried under a clean design. Interesting point. Clean is debatable. Yes, I take your point. The the urethane will say. It's incorporated. The plastic with chrome and the urethane is now covering that bumper. It's still there. Mm -hmm. And they'll they'll cover it up. Even on the Lexus Maw, you can see the grill. You can see it through the grill. Yeah, you can see the big bar. So they're getting away with it now Mm -hmm. just by virtue of styling, which changes the car design, which is Mm -hmm. good. But in some ways, it can be used poorly. BMW. Not well, good. Not good. Yeah, I hear you. It doesn't need to be that big. Let's mm-hmm. restrain ourselves. I understand the need for airflow. That's important. But, you know, <laughs> yuck. <laughs> it's just yeah. hard to look I at hear that. You. I hear you. So, yeah, it's, it's um, the corporate identity. They really want to differentiate themselves, especially in the coming age of cars where everything is such clean design and we're driving mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. in pods. Yeah. Why choose the BMW? Some people are going to like that. They are. Some people love the Lexus look, and they've very much distinguished themselves. That's what every car manufacturer is trying to do. Size is not always the answer. (laughs) Bob Wright on Facebook says, I'm 54 years old. Is it wrong (laughs) for me to do my best Ken Block impersonation in an empty snow-covered parking lot every chance I get in my 2015 all-wheel drive Fusion? (laughs) Bob, two things for you. First off, are you aware of the fact that Ken Block is 50? That's yeah. the first thing I want you to yeah, hear. Exactly. Ken Block is 50. Secondly, Bob, I would question you if you didn't see a snowy parking lot and be <laughs> exactly. like, you know what I could do? I think the only part of this equation I wish was better, Bob, is I wish it wasn't an all-wheel drive Fusion. I wish it was something even crazier. Can you go buy a Civic Type R for me, please? <laughs> exactly. Go buy something nutty where your wife goes, what just happened? We're going to go do and donuts. Then, and then we'll have the, the purse or kitchen tax depending upon your relationship. True. But I, I don't see a single problem here, Bob, so congratulations. All right. So Michael W. on Facebook asks an interesting question. What's with dealers and salespeople not understanding how to sell electric vehicles and new electric car manufacturers stepping in to sell directly? Is this the end of the traditional dealer model? Mm, interesting. It's an addendum at this point. I don't see if this yeah, is being the yeah. end. Dealers hold a lot of sway over yeah. the entire car manufacturing process. 
they they do hold a lot of pieces because this is how car companies get their stuff out there. Yes. Yeah, car companies might start going direct more and the subscription model will creep up more, but this is really what the public is used to. You want well, to go there and look at products and you want to drive it and kick the tires and you know, have somebody really sell you on this there's and explain a, it to you. There's a deep, deeper legal error uh, layer to this, though, too. Okay. There are anti-monopoly laws that prevent two things. One, it prevents film studios from owning movie theaters, and it prevents oh. car manufacturers from owning the dealerships. Great point. That is an anti-monopoly law mm-hmm. that exists. And the reason that Tesla, we'll just call them out, has been blocked in some states by dealers is because the dealers are going, wait a minute— we exist for a reason. Legally, we exist for a reason. Look, I know there's all kinds of politics and personal stuff, and I know that. But the point ultimately is Tesla is superseding this law that exists. Mm-hmm. So here's my feeling. I actually have no issue with Tesla's direct sales model. I think it's brilliant, and I love it. But yeah. if they can do it, everyone should be able to do it. And right now, everybody else can't because of these anti-monopoly laws. Now, I don't understand the gray areas. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the law. So I'm not going to pretend to understand how Tesla's getting away with it and everybody else isn't. But my feeling is, as long as until the other big manufacturers aren't allowed to, as long as they're not allowed to, this won't change. Mm -hmm. If they are allowed Mm -hmm. to sell direct, I say let's just sell direct. Sure. Well, what's funny is, especially the one in Salt Lake, the Tesla Mm -hmm. dealership. Yes. I guess you just have to call them showrooms because they're not technically a dealership, but they sure look like one to appeal to get people into the showroom. They've got a whole bunch of Teslas parked out front. They've got superchargers, Mm -hmm. and it looks like a dealership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the term that we call them? Okay, it's a showroom. It's a... But you go test drive things, but then you just order it from there. You can't actually buy the car on site. It's weird. Okay, fine. It's weird gray areas all I, over the place. Although I think education is going to be the key. I actually have talked to a guy. Uh, I met him on the airplane a okay. while back, back in July, and he was telling me about all the um, the new F-Pace. Uh, uh, sorry, the uh, I-Pace. Okay. From the I-Pace. Jaguar, the yeah, new yeah. electric one. Mm-hmm. Excuse yeah, yeah. me that he had overseen the training of 18,000 Jaguar dealer employees oh, wow. over the course of a few months. Oh, wow. Them flying in 2,000 people at a time mm. to train them on I-Pace sales mm. and how that's going to go. Because you can buy them just yeah. individually. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, yeah, the public wants to be sold. I like to be sold by somebody competent and good. Yeah. I don't mind that, You want actually. people to know the product, and they don't always. That's a very, very good point. It's training. It comes down to training. Uh, let's see. Chamber's got a question on uh, Chamber MJ on uh, IG says, what's the appropriate age to get children involved in motorsports and what activities would we suggest? Mm. Appropriate age, I'm going to say, honestly, is when they're genuinely interested. Not when you'd like them to do it when Unlike they're genuinely interested. former F1 drivers who have a lot of money and just introduce their kids when they're two. Well, but theoretically the kids showed some layer of interest. I mean, look, if you love football, if you love baseball, you've put one of those balls in your kid's hand and they don't know what to do with it and they barely can walk. I know what happens, but I think, and even counting it here, I think when the kid shows genuine interest, my son is now nine, mm-hmm. okay? And he was telling me last week, because he'd done the math, that, wait a minute, my new carding season has to start next month. Because he knows it's only off two months a year. And he's like, I've skipped it for two months. It's got to be next month. And he's right. I hadn't looked at the calendar. He was right. I was wrong. But the thing is, what I would say to you, if you're interested in in getting them into motorsports, I'm assuming you mean proactively involved. Sure, sure. This is not an endorsement, but I do it, which is why I'm talking about it. K1 Speed has locations throughout the U.S. They are electric indoor carts. Mm -hmm, They mm -hmm. have a junior league I'm doing with my son. So cool. He is, I'll be honest, he's middle of the pack. He's not a standout. I can tell you the two or three kids that are standouts. I can go there every time and be like, one of those three kids will win, and the other two will be second and third every time. It's <laughs> funny. Okay, my son's right in the middle of the pack, but he loves going, and it's cheap. It's 40 bucks a race. There's 10 races a year. You can show up or not show up. It's not like That's you great. paid for the whole season, and oh, now sure. you're getting screwed. It's none of that. It's oh, none you, of that. you don't have to buy in no, for you, the course you, of the season? You pay for the night you showed up. If you That's only get cool. to show up for four for the, for the year— you only showed it for you. Know, obviously, your kid's not going to win because it's it's F one rules yeah, as far but as life but intervenes who cares? and you yeah, go whatever. when you can. So I think that is a great way that is low pressure to get in. Now I've also heard our local racetrack, other racetracks that have got karting tracks, 
have got ways for kids to get into karting, actual outdoor karting, pretty young. Hmm. And I've heard, and I need to look into this because this will be the next step for my son if he's interested. And so far he is. There, supposedly there's a guy out here that has carts he keeps and you kind of rent his carts for the kid races. No kidding. So you don't have because you That's can spend cool. a lot of money going on down this road. <laughs> yeah. So those are my first two recommendations. But just see the level of aptitude and interest, and then just it, before you even do the league, just go to your local karting place and put them in a car and see if they like it. There's a question over here from uh, Joshua J on Facebook, saying if we could go back in time and be part of a motorsport event, what would it be? Like Ford racing Ferrari at Le Mans or seeing Ayrton Senna race and win a championship or, you know, going back to like, you know, seeing the blower Bentleys on the banking at Brooklyn's or the 917 mm-hmm. flat out on the Mulsanne Strait, things Oof. like that. I, I like this question. I, I think my fascination has to do with Formula One in the 60s, maybe the 50s, ooh, actually, ooh. like the Fangio era. Yikes. When, yeah. you know, a lot of drivers died. Somebody but died. Yeah, seriously. They yeah. were, I mean, like. Men were men. I mean, they were like <laughs> really got a cigarette, my, cigarette in my mouth and no seat belt that I'm sitting yeah, on the drive shaft. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. Even the James yeah. Hunt era, yeah, just like, for sure. Yeah, you know yeah. what? I'm I'm throwing caution to the wind, and yeah. it is extremely dangerous, and it's it's not like this corporatized thing yeah. that it is now. Yeah, even yeah, though yeah. I still like it. It just seemed more so. Just we're exploring everything. It's we're more trying like it. Test pilots and. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. These guys are willing to jump in this dangerous thing and risk their life yeah. even more so than now. Oof. I don't like that about the era. Sure. I like that, you know, modern safety features have been invented. Sure, and, I and see it. I are see keeping it. our drivers safe, mm-hmm. you know, for the mm-hmm. most part. But it's still a dangerous thing. But yeah, just for sure. that era, that sort of free flowing kind of anything goes, hey, we're going to try this. And yeah. well, that blew up and killed our driver. Darn it. Back to the driving <laughs> oh, board. Man, that's awful. You know? True. Yeah. I, I, I want to just kind of yeah. observe and soak yeah. that era in. I just want to learn more about that, I guess. Interesting. All right. Uh, let's see. Moe's on Twitter asked me, I have an Elise as a daily. Yes, I do. And I love it. He's saying the Avora prices are falling and the Elise prices are staying steady. Is there a place <laughs> where the Avora makes more sense for me than the Elise? Are you hmm. reading my mind? No, honestly, <laughs> this is the true answer. I really like the Avora. I They're love awesome. my Elise. Awesome. I love my Elise. I really like the Avora. The extra little bit of usability in an Avora makes it very tempting for me. Hmm. At forty-five grand, if I was spending forty-five grand right now, I could get a supercharged Elise or a really nice Avora. I'd have a lot of trouble buying the Elise at that money. Sure. Would you want the once, S though? Would you want the, the Avora S? I'd prefer the Avora S. Want yes. The power? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So once the Avora S's come down to the thirty grand range, oh my gosh, I will be very tempted to jump. And I'll tell you, if and when. Well, no, let's no. Let's just say when. Yeah. When the Avora 400 is 50, Ooh. and the show's doing a little better, that's actually the one I've got my eye on because the Avora 400 is fantastic. Though I would take an Avora S tomorrow, very happily. I like them. It's the Elise turned from a 12 to a, a like a 10.5 on a 10 point scale, <laughs> and give a little more usability. And they're they're brilliant. I love them. <laughs> I agree. All right, there's a question over here about manual transmissions from Danish S. Does a manual gearbox always mean better future resale value? Interesting. It does to us enthusiasts, mm-hmm. but I don't think it does to the general public. No. Because no. they don't want it. It means hassle of driving. Yes. To us, it means glorious driving roads. To most people, it means, ugh. I'm going to, you know, I've got a knee problem or I, you know, totally. I don't want to sit in traffic with that. That's less valuable to me than an automatic or a PDK. It only works on the, the iconic enthusiast cars and then it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are dwindling. And yeah, for I sure. They for stick sure. around, yeah. but come on, Toyota, BMW, bring us a manual Supra. Come on. Well, we'll see. Come on. Michael Newsom asks a Facebook uh, track daily crush question. Z4 coupe. The uh, Mazda RF, MX-5 RF, he says, pretend you fit, which, okay, I'll pretend I fit. And the Cayman <laughs> R, track daily crush. Ooh. Ooh. Tempting. Tempting. I have to track the Cayman R. Yeah, that's pretty much designed that's, for that's it. That's obvious. The Z4 Coupe versus the RF. Okay, honestly, Michael, I am going into fantasy land, and I'm pretending I fit well in the RF for this equation because hmm. I do fit in the Z4. I fit in the Z4 right now, and it's very fun to drive. If I really fit in the RF, well, I'd pick the RF. Really? I think I would. 
I'd, because because uh, I like yeah. light small stuff is why I'd pick it. The Z4M coupe is really cool. I really really like it, but it does feel heavier and a little less chuckable than the RF, and those are the things that speak to me. I see that. I take the I take the BMW for the power and that I engine. See it. I can see it. Just yeah, glorious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, mincing it very finely. It's, it's win-win here. This whole <laughs> that's equation. true. I, I, yeah, I can't imagine. All right, so a little bit of speculation here from Wheelman GT. What are some cars made in the last fifteen years that we think will keep a good value? And be sought Ooh. after in coming years. I mean, we Ooh. just came out of the Barrett-Jackson auctions seeing some crazy prices, mm-hmm. crazy things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always heard that you go to Barrett-Jackson to sell a car, not to buy it. Yeah, people at are least doing what I'm both, hearing. Though, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking somewhere in the Jaguar F-Type, Ferrari 430, Scuderia. Mm. I think E46 M3s are in that classification. Yeah. Certainly 1Ms. 1Ms, for sure. 2011 1M. I think the Z4M could be in that category. Yeah. You know? 20 years from now, ooh, a Z4M coupe, I think how rare. the 987 Cayman R's and Boxster Spiders are bound yeah. to go back up because it's the last of the hydraulic steering, that really good six-speed gearbox. I think those come back around. I really do. I think, they've, I think they may be at their bottom right now, as I think the, the 1M is, and I think they may go back up. I also think a really clean late-year S2000 will be worth money. I, I think it'll be like the Supra, where it's like, why is that worth that? It'll be, the, but it'll be the one with like a thousand miles on it. Mm, sure, that yeah. S two thousand from Super. like the last year now. with no miles that shows up fifteen years from now. It's like, where has this car been? That car will inexplicably be worth serious money, and then inexplicably not be driven because oh, it need to be auctioned. No, tragically won't be driven. <laughs> Absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. I have a theory. What about the era that we're in of Hellcats, Dodge Demon? GT350R, the new GT500 Shelby, Mm -hmm. the naturally, well, not naturally aspirated, but I guess not electric assisted. They're not hybrids. They're still all fuel. They're just gas motors, big horsepower, supercharged Mm -hmm. force induction. What about this era of cars 20, 30 years from now? If they are, if the next models going forward change that driveline, absolutely. Because that's what we're hearing. We're seeing the the Charger. If they become, some electrification. Yep. And if I'm they become thinking, hybrid things, if they become, yeah, those big uh, supercharged V8s don't exist anymore. What do you do absolutely. from here? Absolutely. Yeah. For I mean, sure. For sure. Thanks mm-hmm. to John Hennessy, we know what to do next. But yeah, just what, do the manufacturers do? Yeah. <laughs> what do the manufacturers do to put a warranty on that and yeah. satisfy legal? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they don't get sued. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they've got to add electrification to yeah. get more torque off the line you. or something that like that. That is funny. But, you know, we're in this. I think we're kind of at the last. We're right up against the it edge of like hybridicity, like yeah. of electrification, of okay. something for the next Shelby GT500 that has, you know, a thousand horsepower, nine hundred. <laughs> it's got to have an electric motor somewhere deep buried in you this car. You thought the last one was hard to handle. <laughs> this one's even worse. This one'll yeah. really kill you. <laughs> you thought the last one would? No, it was kidding. <laughs> Uh, Holt Nico asks on Instagram, he said, hey, hang on a second. Why is it that everybody used to drive the Panther platform, which is the Crown Vic Grand Marquis? Oh. <laughs> He's looking specifically at, uh, at police departments. Why are they all now buying Explorers? Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, here's the thing, Holt. Uh, and and our, our local friend, Chad, who's, uh, who's a local sheriff, he could speak to this as well because he's talked about it with us. Yeah, right. The truth is because... All of those fleet offerings have gone away, and those manufacturers where they had relationships with Ford or they had relationships with Chevy are now offering Tahoes and Explorers. Yeah, pretty They're much. not saying, here's your replacement. I mean, uh, GM for a little while offered the Chevy Caprice uh, cop package, which did okay in some markets. But up here where we are, it was Dodge Chargers for a while, and now they're starting to work all of those out into Dodge uh, SUVs. Mm-hmm. And right. it was old Durango's Ford Crown yeah. Vicks, and now it's becoming Explorers. And they have the Explorer with the EcoBoost police pack, which has got genuine power, more power than their yeah. older sedans used to have as far as like off-the-line stuff, and actually faster even than their big Yukons. They're genuinely crazy. I mean, Chad's joked with us. He's like, you know, day at the office is how many daily triples because i got to run back and forth across the whole county <laughs> with the lights going. You know, he's doing the daily triples in the, in the EcoBoost because he's got to get somewhere. we got land to cover. So <laughs> Exactly. It's, they're not being bought because those uh, police departments looked at the market and went, we don't want rear-wheel drive sedan. They're not out there. Yeah. They're just and so they're being offered these away. SUVs, and that's why they're buying them. All right. So last question for me from Peace of Life Bugs on Instagram. What's worse, 
front-wheel drive Dodge Neon with a Dodge Ram with a wing on top of the tonneau back there. I think it's the Ram. Any pickup truck with a wing, that's a (laughs) non-starter. No. no. You know, actually. No wings on your pickup trucks. I was at, I need to post this picture too. I was at the auto show again, and I was looking at Chevy's new thing they're so excited about, which is their new tailgate. Oh, yes. You mentioned this. I have to be honest. I saw photos of this. It's actually very cool. Yeah, this is somebody adds sat weight down. and complexity though, like crazy. It, it does. I agree with that, and it'll be curious. But I'll it's a pickup truck. Who see, cares? Right? I'll be curious to see what its longevity is. But this is somebody that looked at a problem because I mean, there, there's been the last few generations of both Ford and Chevy, and I think Dodge as well. But they've done a little step to help you mm-hmm. get in your pickup, and they've they've incorporated in different ways. This thing can be an extra stopgap for long cargo. It can mm-hmm. fold up like that. Mm-hmm. It can fold in so that you have that problem where you fold a bed down, but now you got to reach past the extra two feet of the bed to get to the back. Well, you can fold it under now, mm-hmm. and you can get mm-hmm. closer. Or it can drop down and be a step. And my son, it's it's light enough. My son could actually make it do all the, the pieces. He That's sat cool. there and just treated it like just a Rubik's Cube. Actuated he it. He doesn't know what a Rubik's Cube is, but follow me. He treated it like a Rubik's Cube, <laughs> and he right. just kept doing all the actuators and making it work. Now, of course, this is the same thing. Follow me. It's the same thing as the Honda Vac. Don't buy a minivan oh, for the vacuum, yes. and don't buy a pickup for the tailgate. But it's a very cool solve, and I have to give him kudos for that. Yeah, right. All right, so his last question on here is, when is the 996 GT3 coming? <laughs> uh, you've got me thinking. You're waiting on the 997, aren't you? Uh, maybe. When yeah. the uh, Cayman GTS gets raffled? Who said that? Uh, well, Did I say we'll that see. out loud? Hey, hey, I say you do it. I think it would go well. <laughs> I think it would go really well. I mean, well, we'll And it would we'll go see. to somebody who'd be very happy. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I'll have to look into that. I've got some enjoying enjoyment of that car, though. I understand a bit more, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe Te- technically you're up next. I'm just no, I know. no pressure, but technically you are up next. I'm, anyway, I'm up next, which means, well, if I could get into the 997 GT3, I'd like it. Well, you, you're already envisioning that raffle going well. I raffled off a car that was worth five grand. <laughs> well, You'd be in a different we had category. To start, you know, we had to prove the we model. Had, we had to prove the point. You're right. And then maybe this one will, yeah. maybe people will like it. Yeah, I agree. Let's hope so. Yeah, we'll just have to figure all that out. All right, what else do you have? Uh, I do want to say real quick, there are two tire questions. I want to cover them really quickly. Uh, Mr. Kidd asked, do we do TPMS on our winter set of tires? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not required, but yes, I do. Some people don't on their winter set of tires. They run Steelys. They run no TPMS, and they just tolerate the light for, the, for three right, months a year. Right, that's the issue. I totally get it. I, there's no, I, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Electrical tape on the instrument exactly. panel. Cover the, up the, the lights. The way you used to fix your VCR. It's blinking, and now it's not. <laughs> so you could do that, but yes, I do run TPMS. Uh, also, Ben Davis asked about, okay, winter tires for all vehicles in the winter. Understood. Good. Thank you. Hey, we're getting through. We're making progress. <laughs> The point is happening. Exactly. I don't want to see any of you sideways at an intersection. This is really what I'm going for. But he's like, all right, so what I put on my non-enthusiast vehicles in the summer. Oh, yeah. Well. The minivan, the large SUV, the pickup truck. Plenty of choices. Uh, yes. This is the place where I'm going to say to you, don't worry about getting all-season tires. They're fine. I- I'll tell you this directly from my wife's experience. I put some high-performance uh, UHP tires on her Cayenne when we first got it, and they lasted a 7,000 miles. Gets expensive. Now we've got some nice performance all seasons on her 5,000-pound SUV that she is not tracking, Mm -hmm. and we're very happy. Yeah, yeah. Your minivan on – and I would say don't buy the cheapies. Shop around. Buy a decent brand making what they claim is a high-performance all-season. Do some research on is that actually been a well-reviewed all-season tire with a decent tread wear and get that. You don't need Pilot Super Sports on your minivan unless you, you are really – if you want to, if you're going to go who got the extra cash. Great, but right. I don't think it's necessary. I will admit that. I mean, just rain. Keep in mind rain and water and yeah. the evacuation of water is hugely important. But good summer tires have that ability too. And with and with my wife on all seasons, I can push her, and I don't actually push her. She encourages this. She'll go through the first little dustings of snow we get around uh, Halloween on her all seasons, and it doesn't even matter. Yeah. But then by early November, it's time for the winters. Well, this is also the girl yeah. who turned on sport mode and broke the button off with a screwdriver. She pretty much tries to. She's so frustrated anytime it's not in sport mode, that's for sure. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for your questions. We really appreciate it. We are definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.